Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Me there. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I do want to uh, recognize tonight that uh, yesterday was uh, Veterans Day, and this Veterans Day weekend we want to appreciate all of you who have served in the armed forces, if you could uh, stand, if you have served uh, in your life, would you stand to your feet so we can recognize you tonight? We thank God for all of you. Hallelujah. It's because of you and people like you uh, that we can uh, enjoy the freedoms that we have here in this nation, and we appreciate that. And uh, as I was considering that this weekend, um, I wanted to reach into the Word of God and, and bring out some, uh, some truths that God has not just for uh, people who have been in the military, but every member of the body of Christ has a certain duty to live our lives in such a way that we can make an impact in our world today. The reality is when you get saved you are joining in a cosmic battle. It's a heaven against hell kind of battle. It's a life against death kind of battle. And we don't realize it many times, but when you get saved, when you get serious about serving God, you are enlisted into the army of God. And all of a sudden, you are required then to begin engaging in a great battle between God and the forces of evil. And, uh, and so there are some things that we can learn tonight from a military mindset. And there is a reason why many of our great churches in our fellowship have been started nearby military bases. There's a reason our, our churches over the years, we have targeted military communities because we understand that uh, there is something supernatural about the military mindset. Uh, Many of our great churches started and had great revival in military bases. Our mother church in Chandler, Arizona, was very close by to Williams Air Force Base back in the day. That was in Chandler in Gilbert, Arizona. Some of the early converts in our mother church, uh, George Rose, some of you met him in the conference, George Rose, uh, Carl Milliman, um, uh, uh, Mel Bianco, who's in, uh, in Philippines today. Uh, many of these early converts and pastors today were saved on the military base. And they came, they, 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 came, they got saved, their, their families, they brought them in. Uh, Tucson Church started, there was an Air Force base nearby. Uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina, huge military, uh, the, uh, the uh, Marine base down there. Um, Havelock, North Carolina, that's where Cherry Point is at. The Marines train there. And so uh, many, many of our churches uh, that have had revival, and today still having revival, our sister church over in Norfolk. 
Uh, that, that, the reason that that church is what it is today is because there was a revival that broke out on the Norfolk Naval Base. And a bunch of sailors started getting saved. And so the reason why that's important to us is because with a military mindset, when people can harness that mindset for the kingdom of God, there's a lot of things that translate into a successful church, a successful life for God. There's many similarities between serving our country and serving the Lord. And let me share just a few of those with you tonight. Um, the ability to follow a command, right? When you're in the military, you got to learn how to follow commands. You don't get to ask questions. You don't get to, uh, you don't get to uh, have an opinion. And so that idea of following God's commands becomes very helpful when serving God, isn't it? Uh, being part of a larger group. Being, yes, every part is important, but realizing that our strength is when we come together and do something great, right? So if you're, if you're serving on an aircraft carrier, there's something like 5,000 sailors on that thing, and every person has a job to do, but no one individual is doing everything, right? The power is when everybody does their part. Uh, learning humility. You're not going to advance in the military without humility, without being able to take correction, without learning how to get better. A mental toughness, reading manuals, being willing to go into battle. All of these are very common tasks in the military and also in the church. How I many know there's an SOP? Standard operating procedure. There's a way we need to do things. Guess what? We have our own standard operating procedure. We have the Word of God, which gives us instruction for our lives. And so for all of you military folks, you have some, some, um, you have some abilities that maybe somebody who was not in the military doesn't get when we come into the kingdom. And so there's an advantage there. And so I want to preach a message I've titled Maintaining a Military Mindset because this is something the Apostle Paul touched on in our scripture as he is comparing the Christian life to the life of a soldier. And as he does that, he gives us some, some insights into how it is that we as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, that we can take this military mindset and we can apply it instead of killing things uh, killing people and breaking things, that's what the military does. Instead of applying our energy toward that, which uh, a nation needs that, don't get me wrong, but our energy and our focus is winning souls, making disciples, planting churches. And a lot of the things that the military does well is also we can apply in the kingdom of God. Let's read here in Second Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse 3. It says, you, therefore, speaking, here's Paul speaking to his disciple, a young man, Timothy, and he's giving him a good advice. He says, you must endure hardship as a good soldier, say soldier, of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Let's pray right now. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. I thank you for people who are willing to lay down their lives in pursuit of a greater cause. 
I pray, God, that that same mentality would apply to every person here tonight as we lay down our lives for the cause of Christ. Lord, that you would give us a military mindset regarding the work of God. We're praying, God, that you would raise up soldiers of the living God in this place that we can march to your orders, God, and that we can do your will. And we thank you tonight in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. Maintaining a military mindset. So you've seen it before, haven't you? Maybe you've seen it in yourself. If you served in the military, there is a time where you serve and you have a certain mindset, a certain way of living. And especially if you've ever had to face any battle or any real danger in the battlefield, that there's a certain way you've got to live. There's a certain way you've got to think. And maybe you've seen when people come uh, off of active duty and come back to the homeland or retire or have to get out of the military for one reason or another, and it's like the mindset switches, right? You go from the soldier to the civilian, and there is a definite shift in mindset, right? And you need to have that shift when it comes to military because you can't live the rest of your days as a soldier when you're a civilian. There has to be a shift. But what we're talking about here tonight is to maintain as we serve God, we also see that there are people in the kingdom who have these two different mindsets. There are people who serve God as a civilian. When God is encouraging us to live for him as a soldier. The reality is, as I mentioned, no matter who you are or what background you might have or how long you've been saved even, you could be saved five minutes, you've been enlisted, and you've got to know that. You cannot have victory if you're trying to live for God as a civilian. We have to have a militant mindset because Christianity is a militant faith. Verse 3 Paul says to Timothy to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I love this metaphor. Now, we know we're speaking metaphorically. We're not speaking literally. I'm not encouraging you to, you know, to, to uh, arm up and, and get guns and bombs and grenades, all right? Oh, we don't need M16s. We got John 316s. Somebody said amen. But what I am saying is there's a mindset. There is an attitude of our hearts. When Paul says... Be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. That there is something we can apply from the military mind into our faith for the Lord Jesus. I love this scripture in Joshua chapter 5 and verse 14, where Joshua, he's a, he's a leader. He has taken the, the mantle of leadership from Moses. And now uh, he encounters this, this uh, uh, host of the, the, he is a commander of the Lord's armies. And Joshua comes to him and says, are you for us or for our adversaries? And Joshua's trying to figure out, are you on our team? Are you on their team? Am I supposed to be worried here? And this guy, this commander of the army of the Lord says in verse 14, no, I'm not on your side, Joshua. I'm not on their side. I'm on my side. You better get on my side. He said, as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. And Joshua recognizes who this is. He fell on his face and worshiped him and said, what does my Lord say to his servant? Now, that's an interesting scripture. You know why? 
if that was an angel, he would have refused worship. It's very interesting that maybe, perhaps, the, that that is uh, uh, what, what we call a theophany, a pre-resurrection or a pre-Bethlehem appearance of the Lord Jesus because he receives worship. Very interesting. Uh, we can't confirm that, obviously, and it's, uh, we don't build a whole theology around that, but it's very interesting if, if this is Jesus as commander of the army of the Lord. Wow! So Jesus even could have a military mindset as he leads the leagues of heaven. You know, Jesus said, uh, he said that he had, he had, uh, he, he had legions of armies of angels at his command if he wanted for them to come and rescue him off of the cross. At his beck and call, he has armies available to help him in time of need. He didn't call on them because he had a purpose to fulfill. But what I'm trying to show you is that when Paul says a good soldier of Jesus Christ, let's not be, uh, let's not be so foolish to think that Jesus doesn't know about leading an army. He does. Do we see him? Do we see Jesus in Revelation as he is returning to earth? And how is he coming back? The first time he came as a humble carpenter, a servant. Second time Jesus is coming, watch out, buddy. He's coming riding on a white horse with a sword that comes out of his mouth. He is leading a conquering army. And he is our great commander. And you'll be riding with him if you are right with God. And so a Christianity does have a militant side that is, is helpful for us to understand this military mentality. So let's examine what this is. First of all, what does it mean to have a military mindset? It means, in verse 3, you therefore must endure hardship. When it comes down to it, what does it mean to have a military mentality or a mindset? It means I recognize there's going to be some hard things, and I'm going to have to get through them. Isn't that like the very introduction into the military? Like you sign the papers, and days or weeks later, you're off to do some very hard things, right? You're off to a boot camp where they're going to push you to your physical limits. How many of you have been through that? You know what that's like. Maybe you put a few th- people through a boot camp. And, uh, and w- you expect that when you sign the papers, okay, this means the next few weeks are going to be very hard for me, and I'm going to have to figure out how to get through it. What happens to the people who don't get through it? They go back home. They don't last. They broke a contract, right? And so uh, uh, it is also similar with Christianity. Many people don't realize this, but when you get saved, it doesn't mean all of your problems are solved. In fact, when you get saved, and maybe more important, when you decide to get serious with God, it can actually create more problems for your life. You have more difficult things to endure. All of a sudden, uh, people start asking you, you know, why are you going to church all the time all of a sudden? Why are you so serious about studying that ancient book anyway? You really believe in miracles? What kind of kook are you? And all of a sudden, people start having questions, right? And there are new hardships and new difficulties that you didn't have 
before. I want you to think about the apostle who wrote this scripture. He is there telling Paul or telling Timothy, as a good soldier, the first thing you got to understand, you've got to endure some hardships. I'm sure that there are some stories in this, uh, in this sanctuary tonight of you and your time uh, serving in the military. I'm sure you could remember some hardships that you had to endure. But the Apostle Paul knew what hardships were about. In fact, he was probably writing this letter from a Roman prison. He was most likely in a cold cell, uh, bound with chains, uh, with no hope of deliverance, abandoned by those who were close to him, and facing an imminent execution. And he, uh, he had the authority to be able to say to Timothy, listen, bub, there's going to be some hard things going on. This is trying to interrupt my sermon over here. If Paul, who is the leader of many early churches, if he had to uh, go through some things, don't you suppose it would make sense that we've got a few things to go through? In fact, the one that we're following knows a few things about hardships also. Jesus, I mean, he was kind of crucified. He had to choose that path choose to endure hardship, choose to drink the cup of suffering. And he, in fact, he did say, you know, to us that we need to take up our cross and follow him daily. That is a choice to endure hardships. Don't ever get in your head that God has called you to a life of comfort and ease. That's exactly the moment where you begin dying, where you begin backsliding. It's when the church becomes comfortable that we get lukewarm. And so we have to maintain, first of all, a military mindset that if I'm going to serve God, it means there's, I've got to be willing to do some hard things and endure. I've got to be willing to get up and pray when my flesh doesn't feel like it. I've got to be willing to put aside other things that I might want to give my mind to so that I can study and read the Word of God. That's hard. I've got to be willing to make sure that when I get paid, that that 10% is going to the kingdom. I pay a tithe. I pay an offering. You know, that's not always easy. You could be giving that to other needs in your life, but you make up your mind. No, this is a choice that I am making to endure hard things. Can I tell you? Righteousness living holy, biting your tongue when you've got a few things to say, being kind to people that don't deserve it. Whoo, pastor preaching tonight. Those are some hard things. But you know what? As good soldiers of Jesus Christ, this is what we're called to. I am called to endure a few hard things. Soldiers need good equipment. This is the one thing that sets uh, the U.S. military apart from any other armed force on the world stage is that uh, we equip our men and women in, in, in military, uh, in, in, um, in the uniform. We equip them. We spend billions and billions of dollars, our government does, which means your tax money is spending billions and far more than the, you know, the next most powerful military forces in the world. And the reason we do that is because we don't want to send our, 
armed forces into places of danger unless they are well-equipped, right? The reason why we do that is because the effectiveness of any soldier is dependent on his equipment, right? So, uh, you know, this is, this is why when, uh, when uh, we pulled out of Afghanistan a couple of years ago and we left behind all of that equipment, all of those night vision goggles that we paid like $40,000 a pop for, and we just gave them to whoever can go pick them up first, we're giving an advantage to somebody, right, because of the equipment that was left behind. Soldier needs equipment. Why? Because this is what produces confidence. I want you to hear me tonight. For a soldier to have confidence on the battlefield, he needs to know that my equipment is better than their equipment. If, an, if a pilot is going to have confidence that he's going to win in a dogfight, he's got to know my airplane is better than their airplane. That's why we invest billions and billions of dollars in F-35 technology. And the technology is that these planes can see farther over the horizon than anything else in the sky. And if I can see him before he sees me, then I've got the advantage, right? This is why we pay big bucks for military superiority, because we want our armed forces to have confidence. Listen, can you have confidence tonight as a soldier of Jesus Christ? Why? Because you've got better weapons. You've got a helmet of salvation. You've got a shield of faith. You've got a belt of truth. You've got a breastplate of righteousness. You've got the feet that are prepared with the gospel of peace. And you've got a sword. And your sword is more powerful than anything the enemy has. The word of God. That sword is both a defensive and an offensive weapon. It is used to block the blows from the enemy. It is also used to strike down every, every strategy of hell. I'm telling you tonight... We've got better weapons. But here's the problem. The weapons are no good if you don't use them. If you're a soldier on the battlefield and you might have a whole tent full of the best weapons that money can buy, but if you don't know how to use them, or you just walk out one night uh, unprepared and ill-equipped and say, I guess I'm just going to go for a walk, the enemy has an advantage over you, right? Because you didn't take up your equipment. And I see many Christians tonight that you have the best weapons available to you. You have prayer. You know, prayer, you can talk to God and he can talk to you. How often are Christians guilty of not using the weapon of prayer? We have the word of God, which has instruction for righteousness, which rebukes, which corrects, which encourages us. But how many of us are more, uh, more interested in the latest reel on TikTok? We spend hours, hours every day on YouTube. While the word of God, the powerful word of God goes unstudied. Let me ask you, do you have confidence in your fight against the enemy? The answer to that question is dependent on whether you are using the weapons that God gave you or not.
Did you hear me? If you lack confidence in the will of God for your life, this is why. You have not taken up the weapons that God already gave you. Amen. I'm just going to keep on preaching, Mr. Andre. Also, the military mindset includes a life of scope. And when I say scope, what I mean by that is what we are choosing to put our focus on in life. This is what Paul says. Listen carefully. He said, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. In other words, someone who is engaged in the battle, someone who is everyday thinking, making strategies, communicating with officers and and the higher-ups, and making plans, and taking ground, and defeating the enemy, someone who is engaged in that is not worried about who's going to win on Sunday, right? I've got more important things to worry about. I've got men under my, under my command that their lives depend on the, the, the success of my operation. We've got an MO. That means a modus operandi. That means we've got a mission to accomplish. And if you're going to be effective in the military, you have to say no to a lot of other things so that you can say yes to the right things. Anybody catching what I'm putting down here? To be an effective soldier, you can't be worried about all the other hobbies and the distractions of this life so that you can be engaged in warfare. Now, I know there's a difference between the soldier who's not in wartime and they're preparing and there's maybe downtime and there's a lot of practice and But things change in in wartime, right? When the battle gets fierce, oh, then things begin to change. You don't have the time. You don't have the freedom to go do any little thing that you want. And, you know, uh, the the recruiters, boy, they, they lean heavy on this. Oh, you join the Navy, you'll see the world. And, yeah, you'll see the world. You'll see it passing by from the shore. And you got, might get a few good stops somewhere or another, but guess what? Those soldiers that are now deployed, those sailors that are now in the, in the, in the Mediterranean, they're watching over as Israel is doing its operations in Gaza. I'll tell you what, they're on guard. They're not distracted. They've got dr- uh, planes and drones up in the sky that are watching like hawks. They've got their focus. They've got their scope that is set. Just in case somebody gets a little brave, they're watching. They're making sure. Listen, this is the picture of life of faith. This is the picture of what it means to follow Jesus. That if we're going to do well living for God, we've got to have a life of scope. It means that if we're going to do well for the kingdom, that there are some other things that we're going to have to say no. There are some other distractions that we're going to have to put away so that we can fight this war effectively. Let me ask you tonight, what are some things in your life that you have refused to get involved with so that you can be a good soldier of Jesus Christ? As I look over the years of my my salvation, I can tell you 
Man, I've had to say no to a lot of things. I've had to say no to concerts that I want to go attend. I love live music. I got to tell you, I love live music. But so many of these concerts happen on Sunday nights. And you know what? There's a place I need to be on Sunday nights. I can't go to those things. I would love to go and see my favorite artist and Christian art. Man, it was Toby Mac who was here like three times in a row. Couldn't go. Sunday night. Love you, Toby. Hopefully next time come on a Tuesday. I can go on a Tuesday night. But I've had to say no. How many jobs over the years? I had to say no to some jobs because that job is going to take me away from my responsibilities on Sundays, on Wednesday nights, and on Saturdays. Somebody needs a revelation here tonight. I know it's becoming harder in this generation where jobs are demanding more of people, and man, it's hard. It's hard to get a good schedule, but uh, there have been so many jobs that I've had to say, I can't work here because you're going to require me on a Saturday. I've had to say no to large offers of money and bonuses and payments because I have a scope. I'm engaged in warfare. I've had to say no to time off and personal vacations. Did you, you, you all know my, my mother took the microphone today? And she made an announcement that it was our anniversary today. You know, I really would have loved to take the day off and treat my wife to a whole day. I couldn't do that today because I love you all. But more than that, because I'm on a mission and God has put me in a place. There are some hobbies that I just can't do. You know, I'm not going to buy a boat. I'll just be straight up with you. Even if I had the money, I'm not going to buy a boat. You know why? Because when you buy the boat, you got to clean the boat. And when you clean the boat, you got to put the boat in the water. And that takes time. And then after you get the boat out of the water, what do you got to do? You got to clean the boat again. You know, I just don't have the time for that. I can't do it. I'm going to put my, my money in a place that is going to do well for the kingdom. I can't do certain things. I have to say no to certain. And you know, you know what else is, is even more important than, than the time commitment, than the, the, the hobby commitments? What's more important to me personally is that as a pastor, as a person who's trying to lead people to Christ, there are some things that I cannot allow myself to think. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I have to live in such a way that I'm leading people into a certain example. And so I have to hold myself to a standard because whatever I hold myself to, everybody else is going to look at my life and say, okay, if that's the standard, then I'm going to go right about there. Just a little bit less, right? And so if I'm living my life way down here, morally speaking, if I'm, you know, if I'm partying on the weekends and I'm, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm uh, take a few drugs on the side, then everybody says, okay, so that's okay for the preacher to do. I guess that's okay for me. You know, Paul, he made a point. He said that there are certain people that he knows. There are certain new believers and those who are weak in the faith. And he said, you know, for them to eat this meat that had been sacrificed to an idol, 
It was a way of, uh, of uh, basically, that there were some certain customs and practices that, and Paul is saying, hey, we know that idols are nothing. We know that they're just meaningless. And I, I could eat that meat, and I, I could stay saved, no big deal. But he says, if me eating that meat causes a brother who's weak in the faith to stumble, then I'll never eat meat again. I'll give it up. Because to me, Paul's saying, his salvation is more valuable than my appetite. That's a military mindset. Looking out for those who are under your command. I'm going to make it, you know, we have a, we have a uh, tradition in our military, no man left behind, that a commander of, a, of, a, of any uh, squad or unit that, you know, before they get taken away, they're going to make sure that all those under their command are off the ground. That's sacrificial leadership. That comes from the military mindset. Listen to what Hebrews 12 says. Verse 1 says, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Hello, somebody. You know, I am blessed because in our fellowship, we believe three services a week Sunday morning. Sunday night, Wednesday night. This is just the rhythm of our lives. And as a result of that, most often I am preaching three times a week. And because of that, that means that I'm having to prepare messages. I'm having to study the Word of God. I'm having to have a personal prayer life and asking God, you know, what is it, Lord, you want me to preach? How is it you want me to speak to your people? I that rhythm of my life means that I've got to spend time, and that does. It takes hours of time and prayer and preparation. What I'm saying is I don't have time to be filling my mind with other things that are less important, not even evil things. I don't have time to paint paintings. I don't have time to sculpt sculptures. I don't have that bandwidth because Pastor Mitchell taught us, in your life, you're only going to do one thing well. You know, on my job, I'm, I'm, thank God, I'm down to three days a week. And that has, can I be real with you? That has been pretty tough on our finances. But, you know, I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing because now I've got time to give to the kingdom that I didn't have before. This is what it means to be a soldier for Christ. Let's close and look at one more aspect of the military mindset, and that is a life of service. It's a life that is selfless. This is why we have these kinds of days on the calendar, Veterans Day, Memorial Day for those who have been lost, because we remember the sacrifices that were necessary so that we can enjoy this nation of freedom that we have. A soldier's life is a selfless life. Remember what Paul said, that he may please him who enlisted him. The soldier's life, living as a soldier of Jesus, means living a life pleasing to the general, to the one who's in charge, to the commander-in-chief. 
Now, we live a life pleasing to him, and that means if it's pleasing to him, it's not always pleasing to me, and maybe not even pleasing to you, but it's pleasing to the one that's important. Can we be reminded that the life of Christ, the life as a soldier of Jesus Christ, we are living to please him. Don't you want to please him with your life? Don't you want to one day you stand before him and he will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord, and that is a great desire to have. But are you a good and faithful servant? If you were serving, if somebody was serving you the way that you are serving God, would you be pleased? This is why I've mentioned before, and I love, when we get the opportunity to do events on Saturdays, you know, a few weeks ago, what is it? We, we did an outreach for the Smales, and then, and then we came back in the evening, and we showed a movie night. Remember that? That was just a few weeks ago. We did show the Nefarious movie for the second time, and it was like we had this full day. Like, we had prayer in the morning. We did outreach. We did an impact team. We prayed with people, and then a few hours later, we come back and start scrambling to get the thing ready to go. We show the movie 7 p.m. Then we have to come back and get everything ready for the morning, and by the time it's all over, it's 9.30 p.m., and I'm wiped out, and I have to preach on Sunday morning. Can I tell you something? Those are my favorite weekends. Do you know why? Because I don't have time to mess around with lesser things. I love giving my life in service to the commander-in-chief. This is exactly what Jesus meant. When he spoke to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, look at this scripture, Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and he must suffer. Say suffer. He has to suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and then raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Peter said, Wait a second, Lord. You're not supposed to suffer. And Jesus says back to him, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. That's pretty strong. And Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Listen carefully. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What's the lesson? Jesus was not there to serve his flesh or his comfort. He wasn't there to serve his own will even. He was there to serve his father. And even when the will of his father took him to the very edge of himself, to to crucifixion and death, Peter stands up and says, hey, wait a second, not so, Lord. He says, get behind me. This is God's will for my life. I'm not here to do me. I'm here to serve A good soldier knows how to take up his cross and follow Jesus. And you know, when you study out their lives, the disciples learned this. They didn't get it on this day, but they got it eventually because every single one of those disciples ended up dying for their faith 
as martyrs, except for John. John is the only one who lived into his old age, and it was only when they couldn't kill him. The history, the tradition says that they tried to boil him in oil, but God supernaturally protected him. They took him out. He was still alive. They said, I guess we can't kill this guy, so instead we're going to exile him. They put him on the island of Patmos, and that's where he had his revelation that we read in the Bible. Every other one of the disciples, they all died. Peter crucified upside down. Thomas dragged behind a horse cart. On and on and on it goes. Stoned, killed, crucified, beheaded. The Apostle Paul beheaded. Why would they do that? Well, because they weren't serving themselves. They were serving the chief commander. Can I just remind you tonight, refusing to take up your cross is an offense to Jesus. He got offended when Peter said, no, 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 take it easy, Jesus. He got offended by that. Not so. There is um, a famous hymn that I want to close with, and it was sung at the funeral of one American president, Dwight Eisenhower, when he passed away in 1969. It's a famous hymn called Onward, Christian Soldiers. Can I share it with you tonight? It goes like this, onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe. Forward into battle, see his banners go. At the sign of triumph, Satan's host doth flee. On then, Christian soldiers, on to victory. Hell's foundations quiver at the shout of praise. Brothers, lift your voices, loud your anthems raise. Like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided. All one body we, one in hope and doctrine, one in charity. What the saints established, that I hold for true. What the saints believed, that I believe too. Long as earth endureth, men the faith will hold. Kingdoms, nations, empires in destruction rolled. Crowns and thrones may perish, kingdoms rise and wane, but the church of Jesus constant will remain. Gates of hell can never against that church prevail. We have Christ's own promise, and that cannot fail. Onward then, ye people, join our happy throng. Blend with ours your voices in the triumph song. Glory, loud and honor unto Christ the King. This through countless ages, men and angels sing. Tonight, will you entangle yourself in the, in the troubles of this life? Or will you re-enlist and re-up your life for the kingdom of God in his army? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes tonight.